Hello and welcome. Hello. My name's Goose McGrath. My name's Gabby Billing. And you are joining us on the Investor Lab, the auditory epicenter for passionate people looking to create a life of freedom, choice, and abundance. Thank you so much for joining us on this, the second episode of our fabulous new podcast. And what an awesome episode it's going to be. We've got a lot to cover today. It's been a massive week. But I want to talk about service for a moment. The reason I want to talk about that is because I think most people have got a very uh, skewed opinion on what that actually means. What I want to talk about is service as an act and a philosophy. And I think this is where a lot of people um, become misaligned with what they're doing in their life because they're not acting, they're not behaving in a way that is in service, servitude. You know, you think about people who have acted in a way that is in servitude. You think of people like Mother Teresa. You think of people like Nelson Mandela. You think about people like Martin Luther King. These are people who actually went out to try and serve, to try and bring something to other people that was going to be a benefit to the greater society. So not providing services, not providing a commodified uh, way to use your time, but living a life that is in service and serving other people. What are your thoughts on that, Gabby? We speak about this quite a lot because we work every day with, you know, busy professionals and people that are investing in property might be a really new avenue for them to be talking about. So there is a lot of emotion there for a lot of people. So I think if you can apply that that lens of service all the time and just making sure that who you are working with feels served and feels taken care of, then everything else kind of falls into place. And I think as well, like throughout our team, we've got our um, principle of omotenashi. Omotenashi, yep. Which is basically, it's a Japanese phrase of serve for service sake. Prioritize serving and caring for others purely for that act in itself, not for the potential outcome it may bring. Absolutely. And I think that it's a really interesting thing because some people might be thinking, well, I mean, it's this doesn't really apply to me. This isn't, this isn't something that um, is necessary in my life. Like, what do you mean? I don't need to be in servitude of other people. But this is a philosophy that you can take and apply carte blanche in every aspect of your life. Now, even as a property investor, you want to be considering how can I best serve the needs of my clients, which is a very interesting way to think about it. What do I mean by clients? Tenants. So essentially, if you're a landlord, if you are a property investor and you're investing in residential real estate, you are essentially a, uh, you're a business owner. You're a service provider. You're a service provider. You're providing the service of accommodation to people who want it and need it. You have clients, the way that you present your product, i.e. the property that you've got is a representation of a business and the way that you present that is going to be indicative of the types of clients you are going to attract to your business and then it is up to you as to how you're going to serve serve them and i think the more that we can consider how we can apply this rather than going service doesn't apply to me i don't work at mcdonald's and actually start thinking how can i apply service how can i apply servitude and how can i really aim to serve not only the needs of my self and my family but also the needs of others in the best possible way it's a great philosophy to take into life if you think about that tenant analogy as well like we live in bondi we're rent vesting bondi, bondi beach it's pretty nice we, we had a moment this morning where so the landlord in this building that we're in actually lives in the same building and he walks past the window every day and waves seems we, like a nice guy are we, 
we had a moment this morning of like, is that is that weird? Is that, that normal? That the landlord, you know, normally you historically, if you if you're like borderless investing and you're investing elsewhere, you have no idea who the landlord even is. But here we are. We've got the landlord lives in the same building, and he's just very jovial, very friendly with all of his tenants that are here. And it was just a nice. It was just a nice moment. It creates a nice community feel, you know. Yeah. That in itself is an active service. Yeah. Yeah, which is really interesting. So anyway. Now, we've got limited time today, so we want to talk about, what are we talking about today, Gabby? I think we should talk about some reasons why most investors never achieve success in real estate. Not just any reasons, seven. We've got seven. We've got seven big reasons that most investors never achieve success in real estate. And also, we're going to let you on on the little secret tips and mind shift changes and tactical results that you can apply to make sure that you do succeed. All right, so the first one I want to talk about is... Inaction. The number one reason that a lot of people make mistakes before they don't even start is that they're waiting. They're waiting for the right time in the cycle. They're waiting for the right property. They're waiting for everything to just be right. Everyone is waiting. Now, there's a few massive flaws with this whole waiting. Now, you might think, oh, look, property is a massive investment and we've got to, oh, we're just going to wait to, you know, make sure everything's 100% correct and everything's right and everything. Well, what about cycles? What are, what, is, what are the different podcasts saying? What is the news saying? What is old Uncle Tony at the barbecue? What's he saying? And what happens is a lot of people just end up waiting. They end up waiting out of the market. Now, the reality is the property market has a continuous upward bias trend. And what do I mean by that is that consistently, despite the ups and downs, despite corrections, flat lines, ups, downs, movements and shifts, upwards, sideways, backwards, upside down, inside out of the market, it consistently goes up in value. There's a common saying that, um, you know, the best time to buy a property was 20 years ago. The second best time to buy a property is today. And that rings 100% true. So for a lot of people that are waiting out of the market, they're actually costing themselves money. Do you know how they're costing themselves money, Gabby? <laughs> no? <laughs> okay, awesome. So the way that people are costing themselves money by, by waiting out of the market, let's say your budget was $400,000, right? And you decided that you were going to wait. If you wait six months out of the market and you miss out on 6% on average of growth, now national average is 6.8, so I'm just using six as a bit of more of a conservative number. If you missed out on 6% growth on $400,000 over six months, that's going to cost you $12,000. So on a very quite literal scale, by holding your cards and by not taking action, you know you can actually be costing yourself genuine actual cash. And it's all just about taking a perspective on that. Because money sat in the bank account is actually money that is decreasing in value when hedged against inflation. So the reality is that if you are stacking your pennies, rather than getting your pennies to work for you, you're actually putting yourself financially behind. Because the reality is as well, there is never a perfect time. But also, it's always the perfect time. I think that concept of saving and stacking cash in you know a lot of people go out and they try and you know sign up for high interest savings accounts which you know is better than a low interest savings account but it's still a lot of the time like you said they're not they're not even outperforming inflation so it's sitting in there getting less and less valuable on paper you think a dollar's worth a dollar but over time it doesn't keep up with the cost of living and general inflation that you're actually losing money 100 percent when people are thinking about investing, they need to take a much more broad brushstroke view on how, where, why, all of that kind of stuff. Because even if you lived in Melbourne and Sydney in the last 
you know, 18 months to two years whilst the property markets have been going through a correction. It's important to note as well that that statistically that's not a decline. It's actually just a correction and it's actually just a flatlining equilibrium of balance in the market as opposed to a reduction in the market. So the reason I say that's always the perfect time is you just need to consider where to put your money in a way that's going to work for you the most. If you consider that there is always a good place and a good time to invest in Australia, it's just about finding that place and time. And if you can then find that place and time, then it is your kind of your obligation. If you actually want to live a life in service, a service to yourself, to your family, to your future, to others, then it's actually your obligation to go and seek out the opportunity to maximize the impact you can have on the world. Now, that goes down to making your dollars work for you the most. It goes down to trying to create the most opportunity in your life. And I think that you need to really kind of take that on and go, okay, it's my obligation to seek out the best way to advance in my life. So it's time to break that wheel of inaction. All right, number two, fear. I love fear. (laughs) (laughs) Fear to us, we think of it as a, it's a prerequisite of success. If you feel a sense of fear in what you're doing, it means you're causing yourself some level of discomfort, which means you are growing as a human and as an investor. And it means you are probably on the right track. If you feel a sense of doubt or a sense of inexplainable anxiety (laughs) about a a path that you're willing to take, but you can't, yeah, inexplainable of like you can't actually rationalize why you feel that fear. And if you put all rational lenses behind it, it doesn't make sense that you're scared of it. Everything is pointing in that direction and there's just something stopping you, that fear that's grabbing you and holding you back. That's generally the sign that you're on the right track. Mm. You know, you get that like property is not for me mentality and people think that it's a, it's a risky game. And as you said, like property does actually consistently go up over time, particularly in Australia. But you st- we still hear people all the time of like, oh, well, I'm, I'm scared that the market's going to tip off soon. And what happens then? What happens if I lose my money? What happens if I bought it in the wrong place? And everyone's fearful about these what ifs that don't actually rationally make sense. They get scared of making a mistake. Now, I don't know about you, but the things that have propelled me furthest in life, the things that have advanced my position, the things that have made me grow the most are the mistakes. Of course, no one wants to lose all their money. Of course, no one wants to go backwards. Of course, no one wants to feel pain and discomfort. But it's the reality of the fact that, you know, mistakes along the way are what's going to give you the biggest learning lessons. We've, we've experienced that. Now, obviously, we want to try and help guide people to avoid mistakes, but people shouldn't be afraid of it. Because almost no mistake is irreversible. And almost no mistake can't, cannot be overcome. Mm. And I think it's, if we go back to that perfectionism point, it's the same thing as people don't want to take action. They're scared of taking action because they're, they're waiting for this perfect time, this perfect point in the market, this perfect point in their lives, this perfect bank balance of savings that they've got until they can start thinking about things. Because we have these romanticized visions of, what the perfect scenario is going to be before I do something. And it's the same with fear in general. People are scared of making those mistakes because they want to be perfect. Everyone wants to have that cookie cutter life of, you know, I made, I made 
this move and it was the exact right move at the exact right time and I got the exact outcome that I wanted, but it's just not realistic. That also sounds really unsatisfying, <laughs> doesn't it? Imagine if the very first time you tried to do something, you just did it perfectly and there was no challenge. Yeah, you never learn, do you? Yeah, because you know the, the balance of reward is only reflected in contrast to the challenge that you've had to get there. To the degree that you feel success is to the polarized degree that you have had a challenge. You cannot achieve success without challenge. You cannot achieve success without fear. It's a polarized dichotomy that the greater the challenge, the greater the rewards, the greater the rewards, the greater the challenge. These things go hand in hand. You know, if I wanted to go surfing for the very, very first time and I just thought, cool, let's go buy a surfboard and I just jumped in there and instantly I knew exactly what to do and greater carbs up, it might be kind of nice. Like I might be like, oh my God, I just went and caught the very first wave and I stood up and I, I barreled and oh my God, how, how gnarly, how cool is this? It's like, yeah, but I mean, pretty shallow because I was like, well, I didn't have to actually do anything to get there. There was no challenge. And now I'm a surfer. Now I'm a surfer, but really I wouldn't even identify with that because I haven't had to go through the trials and tribulations of becoming a surfer. Robert Arnott, who's quite a successful uh, entrepreneur and investor, you know, he um, quite famously says, in investing, what is comfortable is rarely profitable. And that's a really interesting perspective to take because the things that are the most comfortable are the easiest and the things that are easiest by nature have the lowest levels of reward. Now, the reason for that is because they're the most accessible. The things that are the hardest are typically have the greatest, greatest reward. The things that have to go through the most amount of pressure, the most amount of weight, they're the things that are actually going to yield the biggest results. Embrace discomfort. Embrace fear. Now, you should seek out ways to mitigate your risk, but that is very different to not having any fear. But it's not just about fear of making a mistake either. What about the fear of success? There's also the fear of debt. We can talk about that because a lot of people get scared about debt. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I'm going to be in debt. We'll probably talk about that in a minute. But let's talk about the fear of success because this is one that people don't talk about very often. It's a tough one because I think, like you said, not many people actually give it the credit and the the brain power to think about. There's a lot of talk about fear of failure and fear of mistakes and you know fear of what it goes if it all goes wrong. But like, what if what if it goes right? We tend to see this with a lot of people where you're trying to make the steps towards this person that you say you want to become, but then again, there's that there's something holding you back. You can't really explain, but you just stop on that path. You're going in the right direction and you're making all the right moves and you're getting the right results and then suddenly people just stop and they doubt and then they start making up reasons why it's the wrong idea or they're doing the wrong thing or... They might not acknowledge it, but a lot of people actually start to see that they're becoming that person, whoever they want to be, but they're not quite ready. You know, I can, I can relate this directly to some of the clients that we've had that have had massive successes and they're absolutely, they're pumped. And I'm like, great, can we share your story? Do you want to, do you want to come and talk about it? You know, can we interview you? Genuinely, they're like, oh, I'm not comfortable with other people knowing about my investment journey. Because they are scared of what other people are going to think about their success. They're scared that it's going to polarize them against their community. So rather than actually having people around you who are, around them who are celebrating their successes, they're worried that people are going to look down on them. Now, that's a genuine thing. You know? So, I mean, I can speak from experience in my, you know, my, my personal growth pathways within myself and the person that I've become now is very different to the person that I was two years ago. Very, very different to the person I was two years ago. And I can actually hand on heart say I, I don't actually think really any of the people 
that I spoke to two years ago, I'm, I'm speaking to now in any kind of meaningful way. And that's not a negative thing. That's not casting them out of my life. You know, they're still welcome in my life. I still love them. It's fantastic. But we've just grown so far apart because they do not want to associate with my levels of growth-based thinking, um, growth-based activities, and growth-based business. It's a challenging thing for a lot of people to overcome, particularly when those kind of ideas and ideologies are within your family group. You might find that your brother or your mother or your dad or any of those people might start to think, who is this man or woman who thinks that they can become more? And what does that say about me? And it's this fear of success that can actually permeate much, 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 much more insidiously into people's lives. And that's actually a big thing that stops people trying to achieve more because they don't want to rise above their station and become disconnected from their community. Yeah, definitely. And you see this in all kind of all different levels and different scales of success. The context is irrelevant. It's about the comparable success of one person in a community. So I think like, so I grew up in a family, nobody had like massive portfolios, like everyone like like baby boomer kind of generations everyone had like their home and that, that was it but I grew up uh, I was lucky enough I did a lot of learning about property my mum was very interested in the mechanics of it and finding deals and all that I learned a lot about it but then when someone starts having an idea of like a bigger goal for themselves and like I could I could go and do this it's just that tall poppy syndrome that comes out that you didn't really expect and so I think when we when we started doing what we're doing now there's such a big part in me that wants to just do everything we can to open up these conversations with people so that it becomes more of a conversational piece and that's then success can be celebrated you do the work you make the decisions and you take the risks that are going to benefit you and then you get the result that you want and you feel ashamed and it's just it's not it's not a good way to live i don't think Okay, so we've hit on two key points there. So we've covered inaction and fear. So that's the kind of two big stumbling blocks that a lot of people need to get over. But then once they actually start to move into that space and they start to think, okay, cool, all right, I'm ready to go. I'm going to start. Well, you know, we're talking, we'll keep this in the context of property investing, right? They start to gather some information. They kind of go out there and they have a lack of knowledge and a lack of confidence and they get too much information and not enough clarity. So there's kind of a couple of things there. So Sometimes it's because people don't know enough and they're like, oh, I just don't know how to get started. And uh, it's like, wake up. There is information out there. Like go and start trying. Go and start connecting with other people. Go and start having conversations. But when you get to a certain precipice, there is actually a different a problem that happens. And that's when you start to get too much information and not enough clarity, right? So because of the vast volumes of information that are out there, the many different strategies, spruikers, ideas, podcasts, websites, um, news bulletins, Facebook groups, you name it. If you aren't clear on what it is that you need to know and why, you're going to get analysis paralysis. Because typically, a lot of the people that actually come to work with us have reached that point. They've actually managed to get through the inaction piece Maybe not entirely through the fear. They've gotten through an action, okay? They're taking action. They're, they're ready to go. And then they've gone out there and they've started gathering information and they've gathered and gathered and gathered and gathered and gathered and gathered. And then all of a sudden, they're overwhelmed. Mm. I mean, how are people supposed to break through that? Yeah, I think that comes back to that perfectionism piece as well. Like so many people don't have the, the oversight in what they're doing to not listen to the fear. Like if you go to the shop, buying the ingredients for the lamb and then on the way back you're like oh 
but I, I could have got a could have got beef, could have got pork, could have done this. And then you're walking home with your with your lamb, doubting your lamb. You get home, you're cooking that. And then whatever you're cooking might not turn out that great because you, you're busy thinking about all the other things you could have done. Exactly. And I'm actually willing to bet, because I've done this myself, and I'm actually willing to bet that other people listening to this have probably done it too. You go into the shops to get, say, five things because you're like, okay, I'm going to make whatever it is for lunch. And then because you're absent- I think we're hungry. You're absent mind. Maybe we are hungry. <laughs> Uh, because you're absent-minded about in, in the way that you've done it and you've sort of gone, you go to the shops, you're not really thinking and then you just grab a few bits and pieces and you go home and you're like, oh my God, like I, I went there because I wanted to create X and I've totally forgotten that I even needed to buy one, two or three items. I mean, still, still where you were. You only got half of what you need. So the, the point here is not just that we're hungry and that we love cooking and that we love food, <laughs> which we do. We should do a separate cooking podcast. We should. It's about making sure that the information you gather is in alignment with the outcomes that you want. It's about creating clarity in gathering the things that you need to get the outcome you want. It's about understanding that you need to learn enough to understand what you don't know and understanding how to go and find the right results, get the right advice, right, get the right guidance and gather the right information to allow you to move forward what's number four slave to money instead of money as a slave i was going to call this point money is my little bitch Oof. well you, you did now <laughs> money is my little bitch now what do i mean by that slave to money instead of money as a slave think about linear income as opposed to passive income now, what I mean by that is if you go to work and you get paid a certain hourly rate or a certain wage or a certain salary or a certain amount per week, that's quite linear. If you then take that amount of money and then you go spend that on things that are consumable items, consumable outcomes that don't give you any kind of a return, that is quite linear. It is money into your ecosystem and money out of your ecosystem and that's it. It's gone. Straight line, pretty much. Make sense? Mm-hmm. And then there's passive income, which is when you can bring your money into your ecosystem And then you can make that money do something else. You can make it start to work for you. You can make it start to make more dollars, make more money. You can start to make it your little bitch. You can start to make it go out there into the marketplace and go and do the work for you. And this is the aim of the game. And I think a lot of people don't necessarily understand that. They think that, okay, maybe I want to build a portfolio. So, okay, step one, I've got to save up some money. So let's say they save up $50,000. that's going to be fairly linear. They're going to be working, making money, putting it in a big pile and waiting until they can get into the market. And then they think that when they want to buy the next property, property number two, they're going to have to do the same thing. And it becomes quite a burdensome position of the mind to think, oh my God, I just need to keep going to work. What we want to talk about here is like how you actually get your money to go and work for you. Leverage. I don't know about you, Gabby, but for me, I don't want to have to work forever. And disregard that statement. I love working. I'm a workaholic. I'm passionate about working. <laughs> I'll probably keep, I'm going to work till the day I die. What I want to do though is I want to make sure that every dollar that I earn, every dollar that I create, every dollar that I bring into my ecosystem is actually going to go out and make more dollars. Not less, not the same, but more. And I think it's a broken way that people think is that they think that they need to put, keep putting money into things like, for example, negatively geared properties where they're going to keep funneling money into it. Now, not to say that negatively geared properties don't go up in value. That's a whole strategy thing we'll talk about in a minute. But if they're going to be shoveling money away in essentially in a forced savings plan, uh, hoping that one day they're going to be able to get that money back. Whereas what I want to do is I want to go and, and, and have a very clear outcome that if I take $1 
and I put it over here into this asset strategy, tool, tactic, facility, whatever it is, that in a very measurable amount of time, it's gonna become one and a half, two, three, five, nine, twenty dollars and compound and grow. Have you got any thoughts on that, Gabby? Well it's just it's the it's the fundamental principles of investment, isn't it? Put your money in a place that will bring back the same plus some. I think it's quite a difficult psychology that exists in our society of go to work, earn a dollar, come back, spend that dollar, maybe a, a little bit less than that dollar and you feel like you've won because you've got 30 cents of that left over. I think it's such a difficult psychology, you know, everyone struggles to push past. And I think it's once you can get past that idea of there's a better way to use what I'm earning and there's a better way to earn what I can with less input from me, I think that's how you can really start to grow as an investor. Let's say you earn uh, an hourly wage. You might be $20, $50, $100, $1,000. could be anything, right? If you think about that, that you get paid that once and then you spend that once and it's gone versus imagine if you got paid that and you could make that, let's say $50 an hour, you could make that actually become $50 an hour many, many, many times over. So that particular hour, that particular $50 block can become 250 It can become $500 simply by positioning it in the right way. Now, this is one of the things that, that most people don't understand about investing. They just kind of know that, oh, it's something that we should do. Oh, my parents told me I should invest in property. Oh, I hear property is a good idea, but they don't understand the actuality of what that can actually mean for, on a financial outcome. The reality is if you're not making money while you sleep, then you're never going to get ahead, which might sound mental, right? What do you mean making money while I sleep? You need to be positioning your money to work for you actively, not passively, actively. I don't say passive income, but it needs to be out there in the marketplace, bringing home the bacon. It needs, to, oh, we're back on food, but it needs, to be, it, needs to, <laughs> it needs to be going out there and it needs to be positioning you to continuously advance your financial position. It needs to be positioning you to continue to grow your wealth. If you had a way that you could take your hourly rate and multiply it by 10, how many hours would you dedicate to that program consistently over and over and over and over and over and over and over again until you had exactly the lifestyle and the, and the life that you wanted, right? Yeah. I think this is, this is pretty much the biggest psychology shift that we've had is we've become very good at investing in various things that return in various forms. There's a difference that people don't realize about expenses versus investments. Mm-hmm. Most people just spend their money on expenses that go away and you know drift into the wind. Whereas if you can think about spending your money in places that will return more than what you've spent, then you're on the right track. Totally. And it's not all about money. One of the things I just wanted to point out is I had a really interesting conversation with a friend of mine yesterday. He's a business owner and he did this amazing program on the weekend. He went to this event by himself and he ended up in, naked in front of 35 other people talking about his vision for his life and he, he was so pumped you know it's but it brought him so much clarity and, and inspiration in his life and he immediately has started to change the way he's operating his business and he's saying to me oh my god it was so good goose this is fantastic i, I want to do more of it oh um and they've got this 12-month program and i just know that i'd benefit so much from it and he would and he was like oh maybe i'll do it next year and i just said to him i said what are you doing man He's like, oh, well, you know, I've got this other thing going on and I've got this other thing going on and maybe I'll just do it next year. And I was like, do you agree that if you do that program right now, it's going to help you grow? And he said, yes. I said, do you agree that if you grow 
personally, if you grow emotionally, and if you grow spiritually, that that is going to help you grow your business. And he said, yes. I said, if you grow your business, do you think you're going to make more money, create more abundance, freedom and choice? He said, well, yes. And I said, okay, how much is the course? He said, $20,000. And I said, okay, how much do you think realistically this could improve your business over the next 12 months if you did the program? And he said, oh, easily $200,000. And I said, well, dude, what are you waiting for? And it's a great analogy, you know, like it's not all about like, okay, it's, it's, it's about how am I going to advance my current position? That to me, that comes back to environment. It's like if you can find someone in your life or some people or some group or something in your life that will help you see with a different perspective and be a bit more rational about things you might be emotional about. So like that scenario, if he had just been stuck in his own head going back and forth of like, oh, I've got this going on, but I'll wait another year or so, he wouldn't, he wouldn't have taken action. So I think it's about finding places where you can, you know, if you're feeling a bit confused or a bit anxious or, you know, not quite sure what to do, finding people or places or environments that you know encourage what you really want to do and get you out of your own head and can present the rational facts and go, well, if you do X, you're going to return X times 10. So just do it. Number five. Like a strategy. Love a bit of strategy, don't you, Goose? So here's the thing, right? If you don't know where you're going, you're never going to be able to get there. So strategy really comes is unbreakably tied to the outcomes you want in your life. There are many strategies out there, particularly in property. The thing is, if you don't know where you're going to go, you have absolutely zero context about whether the path you are on is going to get you to the right result. Because think about it like this. If you had to just pick a random direction and start traveling in that direction, where are you going to end up? Who knows? Or if you were like, okay, I'm standing at my front door and I want to get to my workplace and I know where that is, I'm going to know the route to take to get there. I'm going to turn left at those lights, drive down the road, do the thing. But you need to understand where you're trying to go. You know, you're, you're 30, 40, 50, 60 years old and you're suddenly looking back at your life wondering what went wrong. Now, if you'd actually just started with a clear plan, then you'd actually know the steps you need to take to get there. I think if you put that in a property context, so I'd say what 90% of the people that, that reach out to us, the questions are, where are you buying right now? You know, what do you think of this strategy? All these like sexy sounding titles and strategies on paper and they ask us those and they're like, this is what I want to do. And they ask, what do you think? Or like, where are you buying? And we're like, well, it depends. And people get really angry. People think we're avoiding talking about, you know, what we're doing, but it, 100%, it depends on what you want absolutely you can't define the strategy and just expect you're going to get the result when it may not be the right strategy for what you want it's actually extremely irresponsible it's actually extremely irresponsible to start telling people just go buy in a suburb part of me genuinely wants to be like these are all the suburbs that we're buying in right now go for it get stuck into it it's a disservice it's actually a massive disservice it is entirely dictated by where someone's at and where someone wants to go because if someone has a $200,000 budget um, and they're really stuck financially and they need to increase their the yield or they need to get a higher yield so they can increase the cash flow, serviceability, all that kind of stuff, it's going to be a very different response to someone who has got $650,000 and they're looking for a subdivision project. And that's going to be a way, way different location. It's going to be a completely different outcome to someone who's got a couple of million and they want to go buy some unit blocks. And to just give a carte blanche response on that, Oh, yeah, just go buy in this 
go by go by here. It's it's quite frankly it's disgusting. Yeah, I think particularly if people get to the point where they actually are reaching out and asking for another person's opinion, like we just said with your mate about the seminar, if they didn't have that environment, then they just get stuck in their head and they'd make a mistake. So if people can get even get to that point where they want to reach out and want to run something past you, they might be on the completely wrong track, but they've made that step. They've sent you a message. They've sent you an email. They've given you a call asking for help. And if you just turn around and say, yeah, go on. Yep. That sounds good. Go and do that. It's just, it's yeah, it's gross misservice. You need to understand why you're investing. Like in order to understand what you're going to be looking for and where you need to understand why you're investing, what for. This goes back to service. And this goes back to how we started the podcast on the service. What are you trying to do for whom and by when? These are very clear metrics because if you're, oh, I want to start investing because I want to achieve financial freedom. Those kind of postcard platitudes are not going to get you to where you want to go. This is what I like to drive people to really consider. Okay, who are you trying to serve? Is it you, your family? Is it your community? Is it a big one? Okay, because some people want to have community impact. I've spoken to people that are like, it's really important for me to be an example to the rest of my community to show them what can be done, which I think is really inspiring. I've spoken to people who are like, I want to create massive amounts of wealth in real estate so that I can start schools and refuges for people who are disadvantaged. I've got people who uh, want to create enough wealth that they can put their kids through school, create generational wealth and impact future generations long after they're gone. It all comes down to impact, service, you know, freedom, significance, and transformation, right? But you also got to understand how long that's going to take because if you say, what I want to do is I want to uh, retire on $100,000 a year in 30 years' time, you can almost fall over and just do that. Right? It's not a massively big goal, but if that's your thing, then that's pretty cool. Right? Specificity alongside clarity is critical. And if you can get specific about the outcomes that you want, then you can get really clear on the exact steps you need to take to get there. Because I can tell you, and it should be of no surprise, that if someone wants to retire in 30 years' time with $100,000 passive, that is a very, 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 very different strategy to someone who might want to try and achieve $100,000 in five years or, or 10 years. You know, we're going to be looking at different acceleration plans. And depending on where you're starting and where that journey is starting, that's going to massively dictate what those next steps look like. Okay, so patience. This is something that I struggle with. So number six <laughs> is patience. So just to, just to wind back, so we've hit the key topics so far of inaction, fear, uh, information. These are all massive roadblocks that people need to overcome. Being a slave to money instead of getting money as a slave, making money your little bitch, uh, not having a clear strategy. And now we're up to patience. The thing that I struggle with most in my life, I'm a very impatient guy. Gabby? Yes, you are. <laughs> <laughs> I, on the other hand, am... Um, Quite a patient person. A little too patient, if you ask me. A little too patient. <laughs> Sorry, mate. Sorry. <laughs> Yin and yang, buddy. Yin and yang. <laughs> Actually, in case anyone didn't know, like our business is called Dash Dot, basically because of that. <laughs> because of that, Goose is the dash. You know, gets things done. Dashes about. He's pretty dashing, but that's not why we named it. That's why I named it. Um, and I'm the dot. I'm more patient. I'm a. I'm a bit more stable. Um, detail. So there you go, a bit of background on why we named it. But yeah, patience, because you think about property, property is, in principle, it's a long game. It's about playing a game of chess and not thinking of it as checkers. Yeah, It's about making a move today 
that might not give you the immediate result, but you know in the long term it's going to grow and it's going to be part of that bigger chessboard down the line. Yeah, absolutely. It's about to, it's about being strategic, right? What am I trying to position? How am I thinking three moves ahead? You know, how am I going to set myself up to win the game? It's all about setup, right? It's about taking that long, that longer view to the process. It's about knowing your strategy. So going back to the, like all of these steps kind of compound one into the other, right? So I just want to actually take a little minute to go back on these, right? So mm-hmm. you need to overcome inaction, right? You need to realize that you need to actually move forward and action precedes success every time. Then you're going to start feeling the fear. You're going to have a fear of making mistakes. You're going to have all these kind of fears, different thoughts, fear of success, fear of debt, all this kind of stuff. And then you're going to start getting a bunch of information. You're going to become overwhelmed. And then you need to start thinking about how you're going to use your money in a really strategic way. And then you need to get very clear on your strategy. Once you're clear on your strategy, you're going to know the outcomes or the actions you need to take in order to get to where you want to go. And now that you've done all this kind of stuff, you've whipped yourself into a frenzy. One of my favorite quotes, actually one of my favorite men in business ever, Jack Bogle. He started Vanguard, very, very awesome company, um, index, index share investing. One of his famous quotes here that I've got is, while the interests of the business are served by the aphorism, don't just stand there, do something. The interests of investors are served by an approach that is its diametrical opposite. Don't do something, just stand there. I know I often actually have that phrase in my mind, believe it or not, for someone who's very impatient. Don't do something, just stand there. Because it is just as true that the muscle grows greatest on the rest days, not on the days that you do the work. In the same way, you need to apply that kind of philosophy into your investing and you need to understand, do the work and let it ride. Gabby? Again, it's that fear piece. It always comes back to that fear piece. It's like if you've made a decision to go a certain direction and you've put in the work to determine the right strategy and you make that decision that this is where I'm going and then you start moving that way, great, excellent, action is great and then things are going to come up. You're going to have doubts. It's how we work. Those are the moments when people get hit. When people make losses is when they doubt and then they take action based on that doubt rather than, again, being rational and thinking, okay, when I was in a rational headspace, I worked out my strategy, I made a decision, this is the way I'm going to go and I took that first step and it's only now I'm getting flooded with fear that I'm thinking about exiting when it's on the right time. Absolutely. I think that sometimes action feels like it, is the only thing you should do. You know, you get people who flip and sell and flip and sell and flip and sell and flip and sell, which, you know, is a viable. I know people have been very successful at that. But the reality is those that can exercise patience and play the long game are the ones that are going to reap the highest rewards. You know, another famous investor, Warren Buffett, I like this quote by him. He says that wealth is the transfer of money from the impatient to the patient. So when you take into consideration all of the many facets of your strategy, your goals, the outcomes that you're seeking, time is the great mover of the wealth needle. It is the rising tide that lifts all ships. And it's the thing that is going to build your wealth the greatest, more than any actions that you're going to be able to take. As long as you're purchasing strategically in line with, in line with the outcomes you want. So the reality is it's not always about taking 
frantic action all the time. You don't need to buy something and then be checking it every day, every second day, every third day, every week. Uh, has it gone up in value? Has it gone up in value? Has it gone up in value? You need to understand your strategy and you need to stay the course. You might decide uh, one year, okay, my strategy is this, but then if you go into year two of your strategy and go, I'm not getting enough immediate results, I'm gonna change my strategy to this. And then you, know, then you go, I'm not getting enough immediate results, I'm gonna change my strategy to this. You're not gonna actually get any of the results correctly because you won't have stayed the course. Mm. If you picture that like a shares chart, they go up and down, right? Obviously, long-term averages in property go up, but as a general, it's that up and down shape. The reason it goes down is because there's that emotional response from the market, people in the market that decide, oh, something's not quite right, or it's not quite right, oh, I'm, I'm getting out. And then it, people collectively get out and then they see other people getting out. So then they, then they get emotional and they start to fear and they go, oh, I'm on the wrong track, I'm getting out too. And then it dips down quicker. Like I don't think people realize that that's based on, it's based on emotional responses a lot of the time. But if you're getting out at the bottom and then you're hopping into another asset that might be at the top, you might have heard like so-and-so is a great place to invest, so you go and invest there, but you've missed that upward upward swing. So you're hopping in at the top and then, you know, it might you might have purchased in the wrong place at the wrong time and then it dips off and then you get to the bottom again and you start to freak out and then you're like, oh, I'm getting out and I go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you can get educated about cycles and this kind of investment psychology and then you make sure that you can be prepared and withstand those changes because they happen those changes happen but knowing that you're on the right strategy and it will come around if you purchase correctly that to me is a patience game in this kind of investment 100 percent. you know just to relate that back to an actual uh an actual client the other day i said to me they've got a couple of couple of properties in townsville and they've had these properties for i think six years Townsville, in case you don't know, has not been a great property market over the last six years. A lot of value got wiped out. And they're sitting there saying, Goose, should I sell? Should I sell? Should I sell? And I said, well, no, not unless you have to. Now, the reason I said that is because time is the great healer. Unless they are unable to move forward, then they should just wait. They should just leave it and they should be patient if they can continue to move forward. And this is some advice that I give to a lot of people and they think, oh, should I sell? Should I sell? My question is always, can you move forward on your property journey without selling? And if the answer is yes, then don't sell. Only ever sell if an asset you have in your portfolio is not serving the needs of your goals and your outcomes long-term. Otherwise, you just need to be patient. You know, you need to take the time to allow your portfolio to grow and to do the things that you know that it will long-term and you need to have faith. Team mentality. Oh. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> Nobody has ever, ever scaled the mountains of success without building a team. And I don't care who that is. I spent a lot of time in my life doing a lot of adventurous things. And I have never done any of the most adventurous, most successful, boldest, biggest things without a team. There has never been a single thing that I've done completely solo. And I think if you're honest and apply that in your own life, you're going to feel the same way. Now, that team could be your family. It could be your mum cheering you on at soccer. It could be your friends. It could be professionals. The thing is, you need to make sure you build a team that's going to support your goals, okay? Not a team that is going to tell you what your goals are. There's a big difference. What I sometimes see is the people go, okay, I need to build a team in property. I need an accountant, for example. But that accountant is giving advice that isn't in line with that person's goals. So they'll say, oh, no, nah, you shouldn't buy another property or no, nah, you should buy negative gearing. Oh, 
I mean, the amount of times that I've heard stories where, you know, professionals, I say in inverted commas, team members in inverted commas, are trying to steer people into dodgy investments, dodgy development so they can get commissions and kickbacks. You need to build a team that will support your goals that is 100% aligned with the vision that you have of your life and is going to help you progressively get there and is going to be conducting themselves with servitude back again to service. They need to have an unwavering obligation and desire and innate passion for service and wanting to help you get you where you want to go. They want to build you up. They want to help you achieve more, be more, see more, do more, bring more benefit to society. I think there's two kinds of team in this in this sense. So you have your team of, you know, people that you work with, people that you get advice from, people that you, you talk with every day. But then there's also like the environmental team of just like who you hang out with, who affects your psychology. You can choose the people that you have conversations with. You can choose the kind of, you know, opinions and ideas that, that go into you. Or you can roll through life and just, you know, experience whatever attitudes or whatever team and environment are around you. But you do have that choice. The point of the matter is you need to build the right team around you. You need to buy, you know, professionals, friends. You need to get people who are on board with where you want to go and you need to never stop growing. And you need to continuously upscale your team or you can, your team needs to continually upscale their own mentality in line with your continuously growing mindset, growing goals, scaling your mind and your outcomes. And if you want to talk about that, then you feel free to drop us an email because we obviously help people do this kind of stuff every day. You can shoot us an email to hello at dashdot.com.au. We'll steer you in the right direction. And the right direction might not be working with us, but the right direction is going to be whatever is going to be most aligned with your goals and your outcomes. And anyone who's ever spoken to me in the past will know that I'll always ask that question first. What are you trying to achieve so that we can best serve you? So Gabby. Yes. They were our seven points. They were our seven reasons most investors never achieve success in real estate and how to make sure you do. We've covered a lot of ground in there. This has been a long one. Should we quickly whip back over what they are? Go on. All right. Seven reasons. Number one, inaction. Number two, fear. Number three, lack of information or too much information. Number four, being a slave to money instead of money as a slave. Number five, no strategy. Number six, patience. Number seven, Team. 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 There is no iron team, as they say. They do. So, Gabby, I'd like to ask you, what's your biggest win from the last week? Um, You're never massively prepared with the wins, I'm never really massively prepared with the wins. Okay, have a little think about that for a second because I want to share this every single week with with our listeners, what our biggest wins for the week are. So, my biggest win last week was a counterintuitive win. My biggest win last week was uh, learning that people who are working were working with us weren't representing our passion for servitude. And that was a massive lesson for me. So I consider this to be a win. The lesson I learned was that if you build a team that aren't aligned with your vision and your goals and your outcomes, their actions will derail the path that you want to take. So there was an amazing opportunity there for me to learn this lesson and I'm really, really grateful for it because it allowed us to to become crystal clear with the rest of our team on what we're trying to achieve, why, and make sure everyone is aligned. Now, when we have alignment and when we have a team that is in alignment with where we want to go, we operate a holistically much better life with much more happiness, much more joy. 
So it was a really massive lesson for me last week and I consider that to be a win because sometimes the biggest wins in life are not the ones that you want, but they're the ones that you need. Mm-hmm. And that was a great opportunity for me to grow and learn. Yeah. I think I might piggyback on that one actually. Oh, really? Nice. In terms of like we, we, had a, we had a really good team meeting with everyone that's on our team and just got really clear on that direction of servitude and the direction of total care for you know, serving people that need help. Like people reach out to us because they need guidance and they need support and they might be stressed or they might be anxious or they might be doubtful or we need to be that rock and that guiding force that will just, you know, serve as much as they need Mm -hmm. to get them to take the step that they need to take. So again, that might not be working with us or it might be or they might need help with a strategy and we can help with that or they might need you know, referrals to mortgage brokers or like there's different areas that people need help with and we just need to be open. And I'm stoked that we were able to have this conversation with our team and get everyone on the same page of it doesn't matter what your results are in our team as long as at the end of every day you feel like you've served served community. Yeah, in alignment. In alignment. And this is the thing, you know, like this applies whether you run a business, whether you're investing, you know, this applies holistically in your life you know are you in alignment with your vision and values are the people around you in alignment with your vision and values and are you moving consistently towards the end goal Mm -hmm. gabby what book are you reading right now i am still reading psycho cybernetics biggest lesson get out of your head really i've just started reading getting everything you can out of all you've got by jay abraham which interestingly enough even though i just started it just i flicked it open last night is a book that is largely geared around building a business based on value and servitude. So I think it's extremely appropriate that this is the lesson and the learnings that I'm going through at the moment. And I'm finding a lot of joy and gratitude in taking that philosophy into my life awesome. and into our business, yep. which is really awesome. So that's a wrap for this week. Now, of course, if you want to know more and if you want to participate in our community and if you want to stay connected then i encourage you to join our facebook group so www.facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash the investor lab where you can you know meet interact you know be 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 part of a community of like-minded entrepreneurs business people young families people seeking success in life business real estate people who are going out of their way to create a life of choice and abundance if it sounds like you then maybe this is the place for you we do a live q a slash webinar in there once a week basically every week we figure out what people what people need the most help with and we'll we'll craft a little little webo in that group exactly so if if you're listening to this and you feel like it's resonating with you and you want more well we give more because that's what we want to do so join join the investor lab so www.facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash the investor lab look forward to seeing you on the inside and to end this episode our sophomore i think episode number two is a quote by Bruce Barton. And it's actually a quote that I took out of that book you're reading, Gabby. Oh, really? Psycho-Cybernetics. And the quote is, Nothing splendid has ever been achieved except by those who dared believe that something inside them was superior to circumstance. Mm. I'll say that one more time. Nothing splendid has ever been achieved except by those who dared believe that something inside them was superior to circumstance and with that we'll leave you thanks for joining us on the investor lab podcast and we look forward to seeing you next week thank you